Hello, and welcome to the Library Coven, a bi-weekly podcast in which two bookish besties discuss mostly YA fantasy through the lens of intersectional feminist criticism. Why? Because critique is our fangirl love language, and because talking about books is pretty magical. I'm Jessie. And I'm Kelly. In this episode, we're talking about Blanca and Roja by Anna Marie McLemore. Blanca and Roja del Cisne are sisters from a family with a generational curse. At some point during their teen years, one of the two daughters will turn into a swan, never to be seen or heard from again, except in swan form, I guess. <laughs> and then uh, the sisters team up with two friends who mysteriously turned into non-human animals. And then at that point, social assumptions and sibling rivalry take their toll on the relationships and chaos ensues. Can they break the curse? It's a YA novel, so you probably know the answer. <laughs> Um, this week we're asking people to please be kind and stay home this holiday season if you're able to. We're really close to a vaccine and it would be great to keep numbers down until people could get vaccinated. We're in a really delicate time right now. So call to action. Stay home if you can. If you can't, wear a mask. It goes over your nose. (laughs) Yes, over the nose. (laughs) Please come hang out with us. On the social media, as Jesse wrote it, the social media. <laughs> I wanted to say the social media, but I was like, nah, too much. <laughs> we love chatting with you all. Let us know what books you want us to discuss for season four, because we are planning. It is time to get planning. We have the lineup ready for the end of this season, and we are going to see what the lineup for next season is. So please slide into our DMs and let us know what you what books you want us to discuss initial reactions i'm gonna take a wild guess uh that this book gets called quote-unquote literary a lot a term i'm not overly fond of um but i thought this book was a bit meh for me the pacing was pretty slow and i don't feel like we got to know any of the characters really well and i didn't enjoy most of the characters (laughs) what about you i had slash have similar feelings about the novel it was kind of hard for me to suspend my disbelief about the world building and magical system for reasons that we're going to discuss and I didn't super ship any of the characters and I agree with you ship (laughs) 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 and I uh I agree with you that I I didn't feel like I knew them too well or um it was very poetic prose wise and I I do think Micklemore crafts crafts some beautiful turns of phrase and yeah let's let's get it let's get to it time to talk about world building in through the wardrobe i could never get a really good sense of when this book was taking place there were some modern things and like uh cars and phones in the house and then there are some like old-timey things that's in quotes because i'm like i don't know what to say old-timey time Um, is made up yeah like yeah exactly <laughs> like societal expectations felt very dated like but no cell phones right but no cell phones um and i was like what do these cars look like are they driving stick all the time like i just didn't really get a good sense it felt like it was taking place outside of time but also like within this very small window of time so i just was like i feel like i just didn't get a sense of place while i was reading the book because I wasn't like very grounded in what when it was taking place. 
but also it's like not like a fantasy world it, like it's not like like uh now i'm blanking like it's not like six of crows or the cruel prince where it's like taking place in some other world it seems like it is our world you know what i mean yes i agree with you i i yeah i don't have much to add i think that the way you succinctly <laughs> said that is like i don't kind of sums up some of my issues um and i think why i couldn't get into it as i was saying you know like the mm. i could tell obviously that a lot of the world building was um kind of taken from and reshaped and like molded and changed from fairy tales such as snow white and rose red and the ugly duckling ugly duckling um there was a lot of like playing around with the reader's expectations of those intertexts and i think that i'm not sure how effective that was for the world building honestly yeah it's like magical realism light maybe is what i would call this (laughs) yeah i do think magic realism is a good way to describe it um just that like the supernatural just kind of happens and doesn't necessarily need an explanation. It just like works within the logic of the text. Um, So yeah, thank you for saying that. That's a good segue. Wands out. Let's discuss all things magic. (laughs) Um, The magic really comes from two places. It seemed to me the curse that turns the Del Cisne. Is that how you say that? Cisne? Del Cisne women into swans and some ability that we see in page and yearling to become one with the woods in various ways none of the magic really gets like explained which felt like kind like and everyone also just kind of believes in it even though it's taking place like in our in our world which maybe that is like where the magical realism kind of comes from yes. i've only read one magical realism oh well two um salman rushdie and um gabrielle Garcia Marquez um so those are like that's all I got (laughs) um but it felt like similar to those and that like the magic just kind of happens it takes place in our real world no one really questions it it's just there yeah so we we get the like shape-shifting aspect which Mm -hmm. is one of the primary things because both the Del Cisne girls and then also Yearling and Paige all like change shape at some point and do you know what C's name means? Yeah, Swan. Okay. Right? All right. I just want to make sure. Okay. <laughs> I was like, it, it, it really couldn't be clear, but just like making sure that we got that <laughs> out of the way. I think I just like assumed that it meant like of the, because it was Del Cisne and I was like, oh, it must mean of the swans. I think I did look it up, like Google Translate or whatever, but I was like, duh, of course it means of the swans. <laughs> it's a YA novel. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was like kind of, conf- it, it wasn't like exactly confusing to me. I was just like, I think I wanted more explanation, but the curse made sense. It was like Paige and Yearling that didn't make sense to me for like their magical part. And I was just like, I wanted more explanation about them because the magic seems so far removed from everyone else in town. Like they seem to be calling um, Blanca and Roja and like their family, a family of witches. And they thought they did like magic and like maybe bad stuff. Like the town would blame bad things that happen on the Del Cisnes but then like Paige and Yearling can also shift into these animals and I'm like and no one is going to mention that other people can do magic like what I was just confused by their magic abilities cool yeah that's all I got that's that's my magic <laughs> swans away 
Now we're going to talk about conflict, villains, and good versus evil in our segment, Get Me Kylo Ren. Like the fucking swans? Like, how are their feathers sharp? I don't know how feathers work. I guess they might. Oh, because, you know, they have those, like, pointy pieces on the end, maybe. You know? Yeah. I mean, I can get it. It's magic. So, like, cool. I can get on board with it. But I'm also like all these swans are like former generations of your family and they are super shitty. Like what the fuck? They're like, very mean why? to you. Also swans are like mean in real life. So I thought this was also like fu- like one time I was at a park. We would like go feed the ducks when I was a kid and there were swans there and then they we ran out of food and they like chased us. And I was like, yeah, f- swans are the fucking worst of all the birds. Like they're, I fucking hate them. They're large and intimidating. Ugh, and they are mean. So I got it. But I was also like, this is your family. <laughs> like it was kind of they were rude real fucking rude and like turning them back into to girls like when they were in the like in the middle of the air so they would just like splat and die i will say i really like that scene like when yearling can see it and he just sees them like turn into back into people like from swans like midair like as if they like blinked into existence and that probably was like the best scene in the whole story because i was like i can really see it Yes. So I just really liked that scene where he's just like, he can see them falling and like Blanca or Roja's hair like flying upwards and stuff. I was like, oh, that was a like really well done scene. Like a beautifully really painted that. picture, but in mm-hmm. lit- in like prose form. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree with you. There were several moments like that mm-hmm. throughout the novel. <laughs> the fucking swans. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> They're just That's so all mean. I wrote in the show notes was <laughs> the fucking swans. That's all she wrote. <laughs> um i would also say that like the liam whoever that is like the cousin person yearlings cousin yeah Yeah. and they got into a fight or liam wanted to kill yearling back when he was barkley and for like cover-up reasons which we'll talk about later but just yeah i guess desperation to cover up bad stuff that you do because you don't want to get caught and pay the consequences the people yeah, with the most also, privilege is just like ugh. it also seems like realistic. the family really encouraged their fighting for some reason as if, if as if it started out as like play fighting and turned into like this real thing that they did and kind of hurt each other so i was just kind of like i don't understand what's going on here but okay <laughs> <laughs> okay this is what we're doing <laughs> so i think there's that that to talk about in this section and then the other side that i think is worth mentioning is the like what kind of goes on between the sisters like assuming things about people trying to manipulate and control them because you think you know what's best surprise surprise Blanca yeah Uh, yeah I want to say like it's maybe like it's like like a sibling thing they're also very close siblings to begin with which like to me is like what does that mean? <laughs> I don't, I don't compute. <laughs> um, so like their relationship was like, seemed good, but then all of a sudden like took a turn. So I was just like, I, I was like, I don't know what's going on with you, you two. It was a little hard. Like the conflict seemed to be, we didn't want either of them to turn into swans, but they both turned into swans and they turned back out of swans. And then. But also I would have been fine if Blanca was the only one to turn into a swan and like went away forever. So I was kind of like, yeah, that's fine. (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of what I was expecting to happen. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Onward, magical friends. 
just as one does not simply walk into Mordor, one does not simply read fantasy without talking about representations of race, class, gender, and ability. This is our segment about power and bodies and how they relate. Shall we begin with race, Jesse? Yes, let's. So, like, the whole novel, it's named Blanca and Roja. So there's, like, this juxtaposition in views on skin color. So Blanca is praised for her light features. She has blonde hair. She doesn't have blue eyes, but she has lighter skin. Um, And she's told she'll be able to get a husband with blue eyes, presumably white, which, you know, assumes that she wants a husband and assumes that white is what is best. And then Roja is said to be angry and have tantrums and she has dark skin. So she's like almost on her way to like stereotypical, like angry black woman. And I was just like, what? Why? Why? Yeah, it seems like the the juxtaposition was very stark mm-hmm. between the two and how it is like um like trying to make a point, I guess, but um there were also moments that I was a little confused where Blanca is like but she's not the same kind of white as the other white people and it just seemed like a a little bit of like a splitting hairs on the like a colorism in in like a colorist sense of like what kind of white is really white and like I mean there is a it, it's all like racialized and gets into like a well it's all constructed and then there are different groups that gain access to the privileges of whiteness at different points you know and and so it's like it was I think an attempt to look at this but I'm I don't think it was particularly effective for me and I think it's difficult because um, there have been a lot of really good discussions on Instagram um, of people talking about like what it means to be both white and Latinx. And I think that's where that like really comes into this. Like you can be both. And if you're white, then you benefit from white privilege. Like if your skin is white, then you are white. <laughs> like it's not. And for me, this is hard because, you know, I'm biracial and, you know, talk about like white passing and that sort of thing and I'm not but I also am like if you're white passing you're white <laughs> um, you can be white and something else but like you benefit from all the privileges of being white so this was like the problem with me with Blanca in yeah. particular because I'm like you're not diff- I mean like you are different in that yes you are different but you're still white and benefit from all those privileges like not every white person has blue eyes either <laughs> like they made a really big deal about how she was white but she had brown eyes and I'm like okay lots of white people have brown eyes (laughs) it's a dominant eye color (laughs) so like this was really difficult for me where i feel like the conversation was like trying to be nuanced in the story but i'm like blanca is literally a white savior like she's just like trying to protect roja at all costs and like without considering what she wants in any way shape or form and i was just like Blanca, you're a white savior. You're a white person. Like you can be two things at once, but like understand that. But like you're a white lady. You're white. I'm going to rename Blanca Karen. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I don't think I can add. I'm not going to add anything to that. I think you should just figuratively drop your mic. Yeah. (laughs) On that note, let's talk about class. Let's. also about white people because the people who are rich are racialized as white um the rich people doing bad shit to get their money like fraud and stuff it's a 
Inhale has sold as time. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> I don't know how much there is to say about this, but it's just like, it's a fucking racket, okay? Yeah. Especially because it was like real terrible with that. What's their last name? The Holt family. Like yeah. they're literally being like, here, we'll build this town. It'll be great. <laughs> and then like never build roads or schools or anything. And I'm like, what the fuck did is it, going Did on? this not remind you of Arrested Development? Oh, I never watched that show. Oh my God. That's well, a real white people show. <laughs> okay, fine. Yeah, call me. I am white, so it's fine. Um, <laughs> and A, because of Steve Holt. So any people who like Arrested Development out there, I thought that was funny. I couldn't stop thinking about Steve Holt. And then also the like, I'm gonna, it's just so classic. Like, I'm gonna make this town and not actually like do it. There's just a bunch of empty homes and it's all just like a scam. Yeah classic okay guess maybe i need to get on that arrested development train <laughs> i don't know if you need I'm, to it's just kind of i'm funny. not gonna <laughs> um would you like to talk about gender sure i think there's several things to discuss um the big one being Paige's non-binary gender non-conforming um uses he and she pronouns and i think this is the first like really fleshed out NB characters that we've read for the podcast. Am I right? Yeah, I would agree. Um, and I think that Mecklemore did a really good job talking about um, like pronoun usage, which I don't think we've gotten like we've gotten characters who have used um, like they pronouns in some of our stories, especially in um, what do we just read? Wayward Witch. Yeah. Um, and we got a little bit of a discussion there in Wayward Witch, I thought about, um, what it means to be gender non-conforming, but I I really enjoyed the discussion between Blanca and Paige um, about that. I thought it was really well done. Yeah, just it was very intimate, very honest, and I thought very pure. And just like I love how gender is just like a, it's a scam, and how young people know, and it's great. Yeah, and I also liked that uh, for Paige talked about. They were fine with he pronouns, she pronouns. They didn't want to be called a daughter or a girl. I think that's correct. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but kind of just like trying to explain to Blanca. And I think that they did a really good job explaining like, this is what I want to be called. I don't really mind these pronouns, but I don't like this word, you know, or something you know, like along those lines. I thought was really good. Yeah. And I, like definitely relate on some of those things. And it's just like, and it's, it's also very personal. Like, I don't know, like woman. No, I don't like that. And then also like, I can't with husband and wife, like there's just dynamics that I can't. So, but yeah, with, as far as like the queerness and the, and the, um, in the sense of like gender identity, I thought that that was one of the strong points of the novel. Um, it yeah. was really just done with a lot of compassion. And I think that there to be a lot more stories like this. Yeah, I also really enjoyed at the very beginning when we're kind of getting the story about the Del Cisnes, um, there was uh, a, a mom who thought that she had, like, she had escaped the curse because she had a daughter and a son, and then the son was like, no, I'm not, I'm a daughter, and then one of the daughters got taken as a swan, and that to me was just, like, a really good way to, like, put that in there, like, how, you know, things can change. Yeah, just <laughs> like normalizing, like, transness. Mm -hmm. And just being like, yeah, yeah it happens. Envyness, you know, it just happens. Yeah. But I really liked that. When I saw that, I'd like marked it, you know, like in my notes, like, oh, uh, like, <laughs> yeah. I liked our butch gay grandmas. They were sweet. 
<laughs> I could just like I just just take me to your cabin and make me cider and just <laughs> we'll knit together. I did have trouble. I was like for a while though, I will say that I wasn't sure. I was like, are yearling and Paige related somehow? I was kind of confused about that because the grandmas were so similar. <laughs> That's true. There wasn't much differentiation. Yeah. So I would have liked, I think, more like contrast between them or something. But I, I think it's also hard because they both live like, I didn't understand like did they, I know that at the time they were living together, but I wasn't sure like had they lived together before, the, like before Paige and Yearling disappeared. Like that part was like confusing to me for some reason. I was like, who are these who are these grandmas and whose grandmas are they? (laughs) (laughs) What is the relationship? Yeah. 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 And I think that that gets to the point about like um, how those other page and and yearling are the two characters whose stories um, I think could use like a little bolstering or as Mm -hmm. far as like fleshing out, you know, the connections and stuff like that, which is, you know, done to a certain extent. Um, but yeah, still left with some questions. Yeah. I'm like putting it all together, obviously, after the fact, like that's fine. Yeah. What about ability, body minds? So Yearling is has lost his sight in one eye and is learning how to live differently with that and also teaching people how to help him live differently with that. Like he's you know, Roja doesn't realize at first that he has lost his sight, so he's like, you know, if you could like come up to me on my right side or like for him, he's trying to um, navigate like around spaces that he had previously felt like he knew really well, but I guess like losing your eyesight makes it hard for like depth perception. Um, so he's like running into things and knocking things over. Um, so he's kind of like dealing with that. I really liked this representation of visual impairment. I don't, I haven't really seen it from Mm-mm. many authors I don't think and then I also and I I think this is another strong point of the book about how it shows like you were talking about um just like talking about accommodations and uh just like very honestly and like it's not weird it's just like these are our access they're not even accommodations it's like these are our access needs and these are we're in like constant discussion about them it also seems like a uh, yearling has some understandably some trauma from the Liam incidents first it was the first one and then plural because another one happens yeah and I think it was interesting because I think oftentimes and especially in YA books we see like abuse from a parental figure or authority figure so it was really different to see it coming from like I know that they're not siblings or cousins but like a sibling like person um, because I don't think that's something we see but yeah, more of like a peer dynamic rather than like yeah. parental. Yeah, but it's definitely probably something that happens. Um, so I thought that the author did a good job like talking about that. I mean, maybe the book could have used like a content warning because it was fine for me, but I can see how like those fight scenes could be a little much. Also, there was um, very open discussion about periods and menstruation, which is refreshing mm-hmm. to see. Yeah, we don't see that very often. Roja's periods are like debilitating which I was like oh I get I would like get sick (laughs) pre-birth control and now it's like fine but right that could be really really tough Mm -hmm. especially when you're young it's like staying home from school (laughs) like missing out on those kinds of things it's it's hard right and I, I loved how it was showing the family caring for each other you know that first her 
grandma would do it and then Blanca would do it. And I'm also like, Roja, you need to learn some how to do this yourself too. Yeah. <laughs> Although teeth. we do find out that her like her like mom doesn't really teach her stuff in the kitchen because we've got like parental favorites or whatever. Yeah, we've also like, forgot to talk about that. Parents. Yeah. <laughs> Parents that could go up and Kylo Red. Bye. Yeah. Um but also like yearling wasn't weird about it, which was good. That was really um, nice. Yeah. But like Blanca also forgot about how her sister gets these like basically debilitating cramps or whatever during her period and was just like off with Paige eating apples and I was like what the fuck are you <laughs> not doing? even Your metaphorically that's you. not even a double entendre it's not a no no not at all <laughs> I was just like is this like a garden of Eden thing going on here like what is this imagery I am like a little lost <laughs> yes but I'm also like your sister needs you right now like what the fuck are you doing <laughs> you gotta stray from the path Ugh, oh my god. Do you? <laughs> Finally, it's time for Shipwrecked, a segment about asexuality, sexuality, sex, romance, and relationships. And sometimes we take liberties and do some shipping of our own. So I guess we should talk about like this sibling rivalry going on between Blanca and Roja. It's like, at first they're like very close, I think, as we talked about earlier. And then they... Roja finds out that Blanca is like basically hiding something from her and she Roja thinks that Blanca is hiding the fact that Blanca needs to be with Yearling in order to break the curse and no one's hiding anything from anyone is the thing yes except for the fact that um, Blanca is kind of hiding the fact that the person who gets the blue-eyed boy will not turn into a swan. Like she could have just told Roja that and Roja could have gone after yearling because they like each other anyways. Mm -hmm. But instead Blanca's like, no, let me manipulate this because I don't think that someone would fall in love with Roja. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, why are you a terrible human being? I don't low key. I high key hate you. (laughs) Like what? I was so annoyed with Blanca the whole story. I was like, I don't even want any more of your segments. Like I would, happily skip your chapters <laughs> it, uh, it it did seem like a little the breakup like the the like breaking point for the siblings seemed like a little I don't maybe it's like a first love and so it feels very there's lots of hormones and it feels very high stakes mm-hmm. or whatever um but yeah it just felt like wow if you can think that then were you really that close or were you, was it like all of your closeness manufactured because you wanted to avoid the thing that you've been told is going to happen and then it yeah. ends up happening. So it's just to yeah. both of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like really just frustrated. I'm like, Blanca, why didn't you just tell Roja what the senoras had tel- told you? Like, yeah. Just instead just of share information, just being like, no, it? I have to martyr myself. Ugh, white saviorism 101 <laughs> <laughs> just say no just to white saviorism <laughs> and drugs <laughs> actually i don't care if you say no to drugs you can not. say yes that's, sometimes that's to drugs just be safe be safe be safe we have some ships i don't feel very strongly about either ship i would dive off of and swim yeah 
I, Blanc- I kind of like Roja and Yearling because they're both like kind of angry and like I'm like they would probably like I don't know I feel like I like them together but I also feel like it's because they're like coming to like this mutual understanding of each other whereas like Blanca and Paige it's like a love at first sight thing which is not always my fave so yeah and and it did seem very like visceral mm-hmm. versus the other kind of attraction which was more like the mutual understanding like you just said yeah so I'm kind of like whatever about the ships I didn't think Liam would turn out to be so bad like he seemed fine at the ice cream store convenient <laughs> whatever wherever they were at first yeah he seemed okay but and then all of a sudden I was like oh god he's terrible oh no oh no it's <laughs> taking a turn <laughs> yeah it really did yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't have too much to say about shipwrecked. It's nice that there's representation. It's queer. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I guess this is a good time to talk about the parents and their like parent favoritism, which was Oh yeah. You know, I actually didn't hate this because I do think that all parents have a favorites and some parents are just better at hiding it than others. <laughs> all right, I'm thinking about that that scene in the crown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Where Philip is um, like are you gonna be honest about who's your favorite yeah yeah turns out that your your favorite is a pedo but (laughs) okay in real life they really put that in whoops they really did a good job of like putting that in the show um but yeah I thought that this depiction of like favorites was really well done because I do think this is how it works when you have a favorite child um I say this as a, a child who is not the favorite to either parent. So <laughs> maybe that skews my view. A you're little like, bit. you're not fooling anyone. No. Oh my God. No, you can tell like, you know, anyways. So, um, but I did like at the end, how once the parent, like how once the curse was all cured, cured, fixed, whatever, the parents kind of realized that they had done a bad job with their own relationship and like with the relationship with their kids. So like, um, uh, the dad is like trying to share the books with Blanca more and like talk like he's like let me know what you think about it after you read it and um, the mom is like trying to show Roja how to cook which I'm like probably parents should show all their kids how to cook it's like a necessity for living it's like a so. life skill yeah that some people just don't have so it was very much like the society once the like metaphor for society's expectations or whatever was lifted then mm-hmm. they could like actually have meaningful relationships with each other. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, can we just skip to that part, friends? Yeah, I'm talking yeah. like outside of the book world. Like, yeah, <laughs> parents treat your children well. You had them. Now take care of them. <laughs> you made this choice. <laughs> yes. Ugh. Yeah. Now we're going to talk about writing style, narration, characterization, plot structure, and basically whatever else comes to mind in a segment called Kill Your Darlings. There was so much exposition and (laughs) not a lot of dialogue in this book, which is why I'm going to guess it gets cast as literary. (laughs) There were a lot of similes and metaphors. Uh, Which, you know what, I don't really enjoy. Um... (laughs) I want to like highlight everyone and I bet there'd be like 5 million tabs in my book. <laughs> oh yeah. There would have been a lot. Yeah. Many. So I did not really enjoy this. I want to see interactions between the characters and I want to see them talking about things. But this book was really like exposition heavy and I was just like, not my fave. Mm-hmm. 
I agree with your take. There were a lot of like smells and tastes described too. I would say it r- relied very heavily on like sensory um, to try and to like make this mm, to put the reader, I guess, in there in the scene, um, especially the apples, lots of apples. And I was just like, I don't like a very one. good vocabulary. Yeah. But I'm like, one, is this real? Like, are there really this many different kinds of apples? No idea. Two, like, the apples taste like strawberries or whatever. I'm just like, wait, what? Like, this, that part was like, it, describing food is like very, like, I'm, I'm not here for it. I'll just say that. You're not here like, for like the big banquet scenes. <laughs> tell me what the food is. But once you start telling me what it tastes like, because you have to use other tastes to describe it, I'm like, well, that's not helpful to it me. It tastes at all. like, you know, like carrots. Because uh-huh. they're carrots. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or like when you go wine tasting and they're like, taste the like hints of pineapple. And I'm like, there's no fucking pineapple in this. It's it's old grapes. It tastes like old grapes. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I can't with the. <laughs> Can you please write some product descriptions? <laughs> You'd be no, great you at marketing wine. <laughs> old grapes for sale. <laughs> Yeah, old grapes for sale. They're like leather. I do get the leather taste sometimes. Like I'm like, I smell it, but I'm like, it just tastes like old, disgusting. I don't like wine, so it's not helpful. But <laughs> Don't hire Jesse to try and market any kind of wine. <laughs> or drink in general, because they're like, Dr. Pepper, 23 flavors. I was like, it's cherry. It tastes like cherry. <laughs> Does it? It's cherry soda. Really? Yeah, it's the main flavor in there is cherry. I had no idea. I thought it just tastes like Dr. Pepper. <laughs> You know, because Pib Extra is like a cherry flavored soda. And I'm like, yep, that's it. Oh, well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm learning things. Anyways, that's my mind rant. Blowing my taste buds right now. (laughs) I'm like, it tastes like what it is. Okay. (laughs) I really, uh, they're short chapters, which I usually like because it seems to move things along. Um, I don't. I think it did help move things along in this story and I wanted them to move along. So, yeah. Also weird because it's going back and forth. Like the story is supposed to be Blanca and Rojas, but we have Paige and Yearling is there as, in there as well. And I was like, why do we need the, the, this? Like, I don't want Paige or Yearling's story. Really? I want Paige's story. I liked Paige's story. I don't know. I was kind of like more interested in the in the guys and their friendship than I was in yeah. Blanca and Roa and their like generational curse. Anyway. Yeah. I think I wasn't really that interested in Paige and Yearling because like Paige seemed to leave because like because Yearling left and I was just like, OK, you guys are just really close and that's fine. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, give me the friends. Ugh. Why are you friends? <laughs> Which I guess leads well into the like did we really need this side story about yearling and his family secret? No. The positives in the story is that it showed someone taking a stand and like leaving their toxic and abusive family, which was great. I am like super here for that. And we always need to advocate see more for like that. Yeah. Just like, just because you're related to someone doesn't mean you have to have a relationship with them. Like treat them like the trash that they are and get rid of them. Like biggest piece of advice I could ever give someone with a toxic family is just, if you're if it's possible like just leave your life will be so much better i say this from experience <laughs> um but it really just felt like it was on the back burner for most of the story so i also like completely forgot about it most of the time so i was like i don't think we need this nope i don't think so either 
it was just kind of like came it came up and it seemed to be like I was confused about how all of the conflicts were like related to each other and mm-hmm. yeah it did feel a little whiplashy I guess recommend if you like let's say Grimm's fairy tales Hans They're... Christian Andersen fairy tales fairy tales yeah by dead white Europeans <laughs> <laughs> I would also say Practical Magic. Uh, I've only, I can only speak to the movie because I haven't read the book, um, which is by Alice Hoffman. But I like the Sandra Bullock movie, even though it's super cheesy and like lifetime-y kind of. (laughs) Um, But like Two Sisters, Magic set in our real world and the sister ship, sisterhood (laughs) is like the main aspect of that story, I would say. I love that movie um, a lot. So, yeah. Those are good recommendations. Before we end, it's time for real talk. Did reading this book make your perspective change in any way, or did it make you interrogate a concept, system, or a trend that you hadn't before? I'm gonna let you take it away, Jesse. Okay. So pay I it's hard because I'm like trying to make sure I use everyone's names because sometimes I just start using pronouns and then everything gets lost. So <laughs> bear with me. <laughs> So Paige thinks Roja must know that Blanca is giving up Blanca's life for Roja, but Paige doesn't understand what it means to think that the obvious answer is that people would choose anyone but you. Roja has been told her whole life that everything, everyone would pick Bl- Blanca over her, and they've shown her that with, her, with their actions as well. So why should Blanca be any different? Even Paige is doing it. Paige is hurting Roja because they want to be with Blanca, which with like no regard for Roja's wants or feelings. So I kind of hated everyone in this story except for Roja. Only redeemable character. <laughs> I'm like, why are all of you so terrible to Roja? Like what the fuck? <laughs> She's so the best one here. She's the prettiest one. She's got the best personality. Come on. I was just real annoyed with everyone just being like, I don't understand like why Roja would be so upset. And I'm like, because everyone treats her like trash except for her dad. Like, of maybe course, that's why. And that's like, why. And that's why she doesn't like any of you. Shocker. And why she doesn't trust anyone. Shocker. Like the story literally starts with like Roja thinking Blanca is lying to her so that Blanca will not become a swan because Blanca is hiding information from Roja. Like, and her dad's the only one that tells her it. Like, ugh. Poor Roja. Just like, she got the short I end of the stick here. Her. Yeah, she really did. Go be a swan with, or a, a bear. Beautiful black swan. Except for that the swans also hate Rojas. So <laughs> Maybe don't be like, a swan. Go be a bear. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I just felt like really bad for Roja throughout the story. And yeah. I think we're supposed to feel like Blanca is redeemed because she was trying to do what's best for Roja behind mm-hmm. her back. But I was just like, no, like just. No, I know it's a lot of like miscommunication going on. And sometimes that can be frustrating when it like the whole story hinges on miscommunication and and one thing rather than like mm-hmm. a buildup of conflict or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, I'm here for Roja and no one else. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Library Coven. We'll be back in two weeks for a discussion of Queen of the Conquered by Case and Calendar. As always, we'd love to be in discussion with you magical folks. Let us know what you think of the episode, anything we missed, or just say hi by dropping a line in the comments or by reaching out to us on Twitter or Instagram at The Library Coven. 
You can post or tweet about the show using the hashtags critically reading and the library coven. And you can contact us via email at the library coven at gmail.com. And we are getting better at responding to emails, friends. <laughs> you can subscribe to the library coven on the podcast app of your choice. And we'd really appreciate it if you would rate and review the show and spread the word to other rad people out there. If you're able to support our labor financially, you can make a one-time donation to us on coffee. You can support us monthly on Patreon in exchange for mini-sews, bonus apps, swag, one day, and more. <laughs> and you can support the show by shopping at our bookshop.org affiliate page. Until next time, stay magical. Kelly is recording on Cheyenne, Ute, and Arapaho land. Jesse is recording on Peoria, Kaskakia, Teankasha, Weya, Miami, Muscotin, Odawa, Sock, Meskwaki, Kickapoo, Potawatomi, Ojibwe, and Chickasaw land. <laughs>